You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast. I have an awesome guest today. It's Chopper Dave Robinson. He's a level three and lifted coach, co-host of the Get and Lifted Podcast, and a full-time story work coach. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you for having me, man. I am excited to chat with you and your audience today. Awesome, man. You've been on a few podcasts, I assume. Uh, a couple here and there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, you I, uh, have, do you have a running total? Do you do that? Um, I, I don't. I put out s- close to 60 episodes of a now defunct show called the GS Nation podcast. Uh, co-hosted at least a third, between a third and a half of the Getting Lifted shows. And then I've probably been on 75 to 100 other other appearances, other shows. I did a, a guest segment for almost a year every Wednesday on a podcast called The Aux. It's called Work Your Stories Wednesday. So that's 50 shows right there. Uh, yeah, I've done, I've done a fair amount of podcasts. It's that's been pretty fun. sweet. Yeah, so Thanks. it's just like a, like a part-time job almost, but something you enjoy <laughs> doing, I'm sure. Having conversations with, with rad people is something I would gladly do for free. Many, 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 many times. So. That's so sweet. Yeah. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more about you. A uh, little background check on on who you are, where you're from, what do you do? Well, thank you for the intro. Um, I'm the co-host of the Getting Lifted podcast, and I'm a full-time story work coach. I've got a long background in healthy holistic habits and coaching uh, fitness. Uh, I've also got a six and a half year stint as a financial planner in, in my professional career in my twenties thus far, but, um, I live in Richmond, Virginia with my partner, Ruslana. We're on about a third of an acre here, just outside of downtown. And, uh, we do a bunch of homesteading. We do a bunch of, uh, community type events and I'm, I'm a soccer player. So I'm very active in the soccer community here. I'm active in the ultra running scene and the obstacle course racing scene as well. Um, but no, I, I love coaching and I'm, I'm a full-time coach. It, it's been something that like I originally went to college to be a history teacher and I realized I loved the teaching and I hated just had a falling out with the subject. I didn't love the teaching <laughs> subject enough to want to do it full time, you know? Yeah. And then I was a strength and conditioning coach at the university of Richmond at a D one school right out of college. And so that, that was a, a, okay. I love coaching, but I don't love this particular environment because of the lack of flexibility and, and low pay. And, you know, maybe I don't want to be coaching athletes right now and, you know, yada, yada. So I, I kept wanting and getting into coaching aspects of things, but never really finding the thing that I loved coaching uh, until story work, man. So yeah, I've been rock and rolling since uh, middle of 2020 on story work. So for, for our listeners, can you describe what, what is story work? What does that even mean? Yeah. Great question. Uh, story work is, the process of uh, analyzing, becoming aware of, and then analyzing our language patterns and the the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our life on a regular basis. You know, so basically the words going on in your head, the words that you might feel or like sense and experience and in, in internally, as well as the words you are actually, you know, saying, AKA the words you're hearing me say right now, you know, so we can, you know, what you think, how you speak. It's our belief that it, greatly impacts our reality 
and uh, sometimes in ways that we know and sometimes in ways that we don't. So story work is the process of actually diving into to those language patterns and those stories and moving emotion from those stories, uh, possibly even changing the words themselves, the makeup of those stories in order to get a different result when you think about that thing. You know, so we can't go back in time and change things, obviously, but what we can do is change our relationship and perception of the things that we've experienced in the past. So would you say somebody that looks life in the rear view mirror, what kind of mindset is that? Uh, well, it's not a forward view mindset or forward thinking mindset. I'll start with what it's not. Sure. Uh, I prefer to look forward, um, you know, maybe forward and up in a more positive manner, but you know, people can be very reflective, but people can also be stuck in the past, stuck in maybe the victim mentality, stuck in, um, in with imposter syndrome. So they don't want to go any further because it, you know, stuck with, uh, in, in a emotional state or a physiological state more often, you know, a, a, a fight, flight, or freeze stress state stemming from an experience that they experienced in the past, you know, or something that, that happened to them, so to speak, you know, so all of these are very common reasons why people might have a rear view mirror type view or mentality. Would you say, this is just me being curious. Would you say the people that come to see you aren't necessarily like at a rock bottom, but like you said, they just kind of feel stuck. Like they're just kind of, it's almost like a flat living line kind of. That's definitely a, um, I would say 65% of people come to me for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Folks are, are like, yeah, like you said, stuck, you know, if you got, you got annoyed, stuck, hurt and haunted. That's where I work with, you know, a lot of my clients, right? A lot of my clients and a fair amount of those folks know that they have experienced things that are, have been hurtful to them in the past or potentially even haunting to them in the past. And they've still got that ugh inside when they think of it. Right. And, and maybe it's something to think about before they go to bed at night. Maybe it's something that they've, you know, not shared with their partner or, you know, it has to do with an ex partner and, you know, and then there's this whole hurtful experience and, you know, who knows, it could be a million different reasons, a million different stories we all have. Right. And life experiences we all have, but ultimately uh, a fair amount of people come to me because they're stuck they don't know where to go. Should I stay or should I go? Transitions, not really moving, no momentum. You know, a, a large amount come to work through the hurt and the haunted, you know, and to get through those those tough, tough experiences and be on the other side of that with freedom, with clarity, with greater confidence, uh, with greater lightness, you know, less heaviness, so to speak. And then really, frankly, the fun stuff starts from for me and for my my clients as well, because then we can start looking forward and and you know snap our heads back around from the rearview mirror and start looking and steering the ship or steering the car, or steering our own lives, you know, and and deciding where we want to go as opposed to being stuck with looking at where we've been. And and that's what's so rewarding. One of many things that are so rewarding uh, uh, about this type of work is not only helping people through the things they've been through, but helping to encourage and navigate where they're going as well, which is super cool. What's the saying? If you laugh at the devil, he'll run away. Run away. Yeah. So fear is the only thing that gets greater 
the farther you walk away from it. You know, a mountain will get bigger if you walk towards it. Fear is, fear is the opposite. If you walk towards it, that thing just shrinks down. It's cool, it's man. Is this, how fulfilling is that though, when you take somebody through their suck and stuck and you work with them through that, God, that's got to be painful for some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How fulfilling is that to see that on the other side though? Like you, you already know how the process is, is going to work, but they kind of don't when they first get started. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess dive into that process of what it's like for a client and then also what it's like for you, even though you know how it's going to end on the other side. Totally. Totally. Uh, great question. Yeah. You know, as a coach, I'm trained to look for patterns. I'm trained to look for specific things that people say, and I'm trained to listen and to shut up and to let my client <laughs> talk and tell me what's going on, you know, and how, how it's, how it's affecting them and, you know, how they're experiencing the, the emotions of this physically, mentally, spiritually, or otherwise. Right. You know, and so that process is, typically someone coming in who's overwhelmed, who's uh, hurt, who's working through some stuff, who frankly, very rarely feels fantastic, right? And can't often remember the last time they felt fantastic. Uh, you know, an average day is a good day because it doesn't suck type type time frame in our lives, which, you know, hands up, fair play. We've all been there, you know, uh, we've all been there. And meeting people at that place means truly meeting them at that place and understanding that the things aren't going to, everything isn't going to shift overnight and some things can shift right now in this next one hour. And that's the context and the set and setting I like to set for folks. And, you know, I tell every client when I work with them, uh, if we get anything written down on a session, it's a huge win. It's a huge win, you know? And so that sets the expectation as well of like, okay, we can, you know, all things considered just hop on here and I can get stuff out of my head and out of my heart and onto paper. And that'll be a, a, a good session. And that's very accurate. Um, you know, I also tell my clients, and I stole this, but I'll, I'll give them credit as I always do. I have a colleague, we share the same last name and the same profession. That's about it. He's a great guy. And uh, he said the following, and I stole it from him, but said I would give him credit. But the way that I, Dave, work with my clients is I'm always going to shoot you straight and ain't nobody ever going to hear about it, period. So, again, that sets the closed container of us that whatever gets talked about here stays here. And after that, we dive in. And, you know, that can be the thing that, you know, hey, if you're really honest, like, why are you here? What are we working on? Let's start there. You know, and that that can be a great place to start. Uh, one gentleman I talked to this morning uh, or this afternoon, about two hours before this call, uh, he said, hey, man, I've got I've done a lot of work. I'm in my early 50s. I've been a coach for 19 years. I've done a ton of personal work and I've just got some stuff that is you know, I'd probably categorize as a haunted and some other stuff that I don't really even know. And it's tough not to crack why I haven't been able to, to move forward and, and to, you know, have the level of success that I want to have. And so I don't know what my first thing to work on would be. And I'm like, cool, great. You know, we go where that energy is and we go and let the stories take us there. And so there's a lot of ways we can dive in. Uh, but once we do, we get stuff written down. We, this is going to sound super simplistic to people, uh, which it, it kind of is, take out the kind of, and we get stuff written down, we read it out loud, we slow down our rate of speech when we read it out loud a second time, and then we strategically add breath into uh, a third read, and then 
what I really like to do after that is start to change the words, start to highlight specific phrases and start to actually shift from that rear view mirror look into the forward thinking look, potentially even saying the same story, just using a different set of words and okay, which one yeah. do we like better? It's almost always the forward facing one, you know? So um, it really is a profound process of changing someone's relationship to something that they might've been in, dealing with or experiencing for almost their entire lives. And things can shift very quickly. So it is super rewarding. It's a 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10, 100 out of 10 rewarding <laughs> type, uh, a profession to be in. And uh, because I've been on the receiving end of so many sessions myself, it, it's an incredibly rewarding process to sit through as a client. Or you know, even when a, a coach or colleague, friend of mine and I hop on a call or together just to, you know, chop it up together, as I like to say, just have a conversation. You know, we sometimes get into a Google Doc or sometimes get into a, a, a translation or, a, you know, oh, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, you know, and, and say that one more time, slow it down for me. And, and it really is radical how quickly things can shift internally and thus externally when we focus on our words. It's so cool. Like I'm still, I say, very young into this story work process myself, uh, just started into the Enlifted Level 2 course. Uh, we're two calls in now. It's it's profound. I was working with a client this morning and kind of like you set the stage saying like, I'm on your team. It's you and I working together through these stories that you have. And when they know that, when it's not like, not sitting across from this desk against them, it's we're, we're working together. This is part of the process. And then I started- I mean, Kevin, Go ahead, go ahead. You go. I mean, it's uh, think about how few times someone hears like, "Oh, I've got your back," right? Like for real, like for real, you know. Um, especially as men, right? If we want to have a real conversation, right? It, you know, the average forty-year-old man has 0.8 friends outside of their spouse and right. immediate family members they can go to and talk to. Wow. It's funny you say Point that. Eight. Seriously, I had I just had a guy in this morning and he said that he's I was like, Why why are you coming to the gym here? Like what's what's the purpose? And he goes, Dude, it's for my mental health. Like outside of my house and my work, this is where I want to be. And we actually just started shooting the shit. And basically, like he I had it written down. I have a, a post-it note here that says it on it. I wrote it down a few weeks ago, and he just highlighted what you just said that we need those connections. And the gym gives us that spot and that opportunity for that, which I thought, well, damn, that makes that super fulfilling now. But also, why not just create a men's group? Because we don't have that, right? I see all of the, the women in the gym, and they all have these friends and groups outside of the gym, these mom groups and what. I don't see that often with men. That's a very less common thing to see. So. It it is the opportunity is definitely there and it's uh it's definitely a broader conversation and what i what i'd love to bring about is like check on your friends you know the people that, yeah. that you do have relationships with you know the gym is a fantastic place to foster deep lifelong friendships with people you know and and i'm a byproduct of that um you know with many of my good friends coop chris you know guys who would be best men at my wedding type type people my college roommate all four years you know we forged our relationship in the gym together and you know there's um, there is a ton that can be learned from that. And at the same time, we don't necessarily have to go and create more friendships. Oftentimes the best thing and the easiest thing, the thing that's right in front of us is to foster the relationships that we have 
which means call your buddies yeah. and, you know, ask, how are you? And then when they say fine, ask, no, for real, how are you? When they say, I'm good, dude, ask like, no, 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 for real. Like, how are you really? Yeah. How are you really? And that third ask might actually get a real response from your bro. And it may, shit it, man, it may save his life. You never know. You know, and that that's real. That, that hits close to home because I've lost a few close friends and that's, you know, you can always, you would always never, you never imagine. You'd be like, well, th those guys are always happy and super successful and everything else. Right. And you never, you never know. So until you ask, man, this went, this went in a different, <laughs> other direction, went, man. It's it crazy. Went valuable in my opinion. It went, it 100%. went real. You know? So uh, yeah. and we can, we can, put a cap on that dark stuff and head back into the light. Right. <laughs> what you want to do but it just gives me, it gives me more um, drive and passion to dig deeper. Yeah. So I, I feel like I've benefited from this uh, topic and conversation already, which will then in turn help and benefit other people down the road that are in my life currently. So thank you for uh, diving into that with me, even though it was yeah. unexpected. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Um. Yeah. So where were we? We were talking about the, the meetings, how you talk to clients, et cetera. And yeah. so one of my meetings this morning, I, I asked my client, I said, what's the priority of our meeting today? And then I sat there, it was complete silence. And it felt like a long time, like a real long time, uncomfortably long. And I just sat through it. And then she piped up and she goes, I wasn't prepared for that question. So then I sat there even longer and just more silence. And then once she thought of it, I was like, she said the, what she wanted. And I was like, okay, let's get to work. Let's start working things out. Anyway, it was a really good opportunity to shift because I find what happens is a lot of people come to coaches and they're like, I don't know what to fix. Help me. Well, it's not my job to just tell you what to do. So I'm going to ask you, what, what is the priority? What do you need help with? What's really like keeping you up at night or, you know, grinding your gears, whatever it is, give them the space and the time to actually think about it. And then you can get, actually get to work. So questions centered coaching versus answer centered coaching. And it, it often goes way farther that way. There's a difference. Questions yeah. are what coaches do answers are what teachers do. And I believe, I believe there's a difference between being a teacher and being a coach. They're two different things. And so that's what I prefer to be is a coach. I want to dig in and get my hands dirty and find out what's actually going on versus saying, well, here's what I think is going wrong. So you should do this. That doesn't, it doesn't do anything. That's all surface level stuff. Yeah. Questions. Questions, poll, poll answers, answers, push. push. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, let's get back into the happy fun times. Happy Chopper, fun time. Chopper Dave, what's what? Where's this Chopper coming from? Tell tell me about the backstory there. Oh man, great stories. Uh, we've got a couple various reasons why Chopper Dave. Uh, the first is I used to say keep chipping a lot, like chip chip, and then it's like chipping away at your goals. And I had this vision, and it worked really well for me for a while. You know, sure. it was like. I got this chisel and I got this block of marble and I'm like, you know, like just like chipping away and like creating this crafting, this vision and this life of what I want and yada, yada, yada. And 
it got, got to a point where I was frustrated about how long it was taking me to reach some of these goals. And I thought to myself, well, that's because I'm using a chisel. You know, like what if I, you know, like a friend was like, well, what if you change it from chipping to chopping? And I was like, I had the visual of an ax and I was like, oh my God, like I'm trying to chop down an oak tree with the chisel and a hammer as opposed to using an ax. So why not chop instead of chip and take big old swings at my goals? And so I immediately just changed the I to an O and it had a totally different feeling and a totally different vibe to chop versus to chip, you know, and, uh, that that's a big part of it. The other is a, a inside joke with Mark is the AK 47 is our preferred shared preferred gun platform of choice. You know, and it's, it's colloquially known as a chopper. And so me having uh, uh, this affinity for this particular frame and style, it fit with the chopping that I'm doing on a regular basis in the gym and otherwise, and you know and business and goals and here i am chopper dave there you go man that's a that's a sweet <laughs> story man i love that thank you thank you so you mentioned that you are a coach you help other people what are you dave robinson doing working towards your goals i understand you mentioned that you were kind of into the ultra marathon scene or do you have anything that you're working on currently yeah i do um i i had a real I'm going to go dark again, but then I'm going to bring it back light and it's going to be a quick dark. <laughs> okay. Roller coaster ride, man. Let's do it. I had a memento mori thought towards the end of last year. You know, remember you will die. One day you will die. Right. And that's supposed to be a very uplifting thing. And it was for me in that while I pondered things and was somber in particular moments, it also allowed me to uh, really think about my life in terms of how I was spending my time and what I wanted to spend my time on and what it would look like if I accelerated timelines, you know, like what if I only had a year, what would I do on a regular basis? You know, would I look back on my year and be happy with how I spent my time and the goals that I achieved and the things that I did and the stuff that was like, Oh, you know, one day I'll run a hundred mile race, maybe in my thirties, maybe I'll wait till my forties to do it. It's like, well, dude, what if you don't have that? Could you fit it in? I was like, damn, it'd be a stretch, but maybe I could. Maybe I could. And so, you know, for the record, I'm, I'm great. I'm health, super healthy. I intend to live a very long time, but the, the sentiment stuck hard and cemented even. And so I, on about 10 days, roughly 10 days notice said yes to a 40 mile ultra marathon back in November with a couple of buddies, 40 miles on my buddy's 40th birthday. Uh, so I, I said yes to help him out and, and, you know, myself and another friend ended up completing the 40, uh, that was on the five year anniversary to the day that I ran my first and only other ultra marathon, a 50 mile run for child cancer back in 2017. And, uh, it got me going. So it's like, okay, well, if I want to do a hundred this year, if I want to stretch and push and have that be like a stretch goal to do this year. I need to get a 50 mile on the books in 2023 on the record with enough time beforehand to train up to it, but also leave enough time to recover from that before training for the hundred miler. So I have a 50 mile ultra marathon on April 15th. Today is February 22nd on recording day. I don't know when this launches, but, uh, 
it's coming up. You know, I'm, I'm seven, eight weeks away and I am getting dialed in, but it's a very different feeling from my first 50 miler five plus years ago now to this one, you know, and, and even to the, the 40 miler that I did on minimal notice, you know, whereas the first 50 miler, I thought like when I said yes to it, I said yes to it because it was impossible. Like legitimately, I couldn't wrap my mind around how I was going to do it because at the time I had only run 15 miles before in my life, you know, and then it, even in training, I only got up to 20. And so I had all these what if questions of what if I get hurt? What if I fail? What if, you know, like, uh, uh, what if we raise all this money for charity and then I like, just don't do it. You know, like, uh, like dude, my buddy's face and I were on the corner. We're on a billboard on 95, <laughs> interstate, 95 interstate 64, like, you know, like support child cancer, you know, re research, uh, donate Connor's heroes, like yada, yada, you know, and it was, it was, you know, what if I messed this up, you know, and this was actually one of the first things that I, where I had an experience with story work because it flipped it in my mind, you know, the, what if it goes well, what if I pull this off? And it was like, okay. You know, so when I got to the start line of that first 50 miler, I knew I was going to finish it. But when I started, I knew it was going to be impossible. And this past 40 miler, I am like, I had no problems with, I knew it was going to be a long day. I knew it was going to suck, but I was going to be able to do it, even though I wasn't training for it. This same 50 miler coming up, I feel the same way. Like I got this, in fact, I mean, it's going to be even better than the 40. The 100 miler, though, man, I'm in that same this is, <laughs> this is impossible mindset, you know, knowing it's not impossible, impossible, but not having gone through the rigors of, in my mind, of getting to the point where it's doable, probable, inevitable. Uh, so, yeah, man, I got some fun goals coming up. Do they have um, curious? Do they have like timestamps that you have to hit at certain mile markers? Like they'll pull you off if you're not by it at a certain time. For the longer ones, they do. Yeah, for the fifty yeah. miles, for the fifty milers, you've got like you've got one or two cutoffs, you know. And I think the race is like done at sixteen hours. You know, if you're not if you're not done by then, you're done. You're done for the fifty miler. But uh, they'll do that for longer, you know, hundred mile events. You know, for example, is they'll have a you got to be past X by certain point you know and then have various markers along the way but it's it's not like it's it's you're playing a video game and you're you know you're racing up by minutes you know trying to to get to a certain point you might be doing that at the end of the race to cut under 24 hours or to cut under 36 hours or like whatever the official cutoff is but typically not like in the middle cool interesting that stuff fascinates me i'm big i love the endurance stuff right now i'm more into the strength strength competition stuff. So I just qualified for the uh, master's Pan Ams uh, last weekend. And so training's kind of shifting over to uh, now I'm on the international stage and got to hit some, hit some big numbers. Um, but the endurance community, man, I love that stuff. I've done, have you ever done a triathlon? Nope. Never done a triathlon before. I'm That's not awesome. a great swimming guy, but um, I imagine mm -hmm. it's in my some point yeah you, know, you just try I it guess. like mm -hmm. i have a body fat percentage of uh hovers between 10 and 12 percent i don't float i sink yeah, you sink yeah, yeah it's exactly. it's harder to yeah. <laughs> you don't have any body fat on you uh it's freaking anyway. cold out there too y'all yeah. thank you thank you very much yeah you know anyway so. uh so yeah you you can do it no problem but anyway these uh these long distance stuff that's that drives me because it's not just you know it's not just a physical feat there's so much mental component to that. I've done 80 mile events while wearing weight uh, in a 
48 hour period and it's grueling, but man, it's so fulfilling once you're done. Cause you can look back, live in the rear view mirror for a moment and see what you've accomplished over that, that time. And there's no other feelings like that. And it condenses massive amounts of time of learning into a day, short yeah. periods of time. You know, I got seven months worth of experience and knowledge and 11 hours, 11 and a half hours, a couple months ago on that thing, you know, like lessons I'm using to this day, phrases I'm using to this day, you yeah. know, and that's just huge, hugely valuable. What, uh, outside of your physical training, what have you been doing to prepare for, for that? I've been doing a lot of, uh, I'm essentially farmer Dave now. Okay. Much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just gave it to myself on the show. Uh, I have probably spent 35 of the last 80 hours. It's consumed me outside in my backyard on about a third of an acre outside of Richmond. And we are, uh, my partner Ruslana and I just got rabbits. We got rabbits for, for homesteading, for meat and for other utilities, uh, like the, like their fertilizer for their gardens and stuff. And so we spent the past three and a half, four days building coop, repairing hutches, building coops, digging, you know, a nine by 13 foot hole that's three feet deep and then wiring it out and then putting that dirt back in and then, you know, just whole nine yards. But the, we, now we have three rabbits. We have one male and two females <laughs> and we're going to breed them and we're going to sell them and use them for meat and use their dung as fertilizer. And it's going to be fantastic. So uh, I've got garden beds to build. I've got frames to build that we just got fencing to do and all kinds of fun, fun outdoor projects that now that winter is starting to, to do a fadeaway, uh, I'm starting to be able to get out there and get a bunch of stuff done, but that I learn a lot. I've learned so much in the past, like three and a half, four years doing this. And, uh, it's become a massive passion of mine, just getting outside and getting my feet and hands in the dirt and doing stuff. So Sweet. I'm doing digging and lifting and carrying buckets of dirt and farmers carries like for real. And, you know, uh, we don't use enough levers in the gym. I'll tell you that, like, there's not enough shoveling actions in the gym is shoveling anything, snow, dirt, whatever is a gnarly workout. I'll tell you right now, you know, so I'm running and I'm doing yard work <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to be pretty ready. All things considered. I know my, my wife listens to these episodes. And so when you just said there's not enough shoveling exercises, she right now is saying good. Cause we actually <laughs> did an exercise years ago. We've never done it since called virtual shoveling. You throw a 45 pound plate on the end of a barbell, double clip it and lift it up and over a box back and forth. Nobody could walk for a week after we did that workout and it's never been in our workout since. So. <laughs> she's listening to that. She's yeah, like, yeah. never, never bring that yeah, back again. Uh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Wood. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I believe I heard that you're on a 100 day challenge. Ah, oh, I lost, lost the challenge. I lost lost it search. already. Yeah, yeah I lost you were, it. You're a good chunk in. I did. Yeah, I was over a third of the way through um, and I made a conscious decision. It was a, a good choice. I had learned a fair amount of my lessons okay. that I needed to learn. Uh, yeah, I was on a no cannabis challenge for 100 days. Like I said, I got a third of the way through. Um, and 
again, good lessons. Not a failure. Very, very Not a failure. Right. Not a failure. Lessons learned. Uh, also, back on because I've got a race coming up in seven weeks. So, you know, I don't know whether I'll go another hundred, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a believer in, you know, if uh, very rarely does the wagon ride riderless tumbling down the hill if you fall off the wagon unless you let it you know like get you can fall off the wagon all you want and get back on the wagon and keep keep riding you got it i don't know if that analogy makes any sense or not but you know those of us who grew up playing oregon trail you get it you you understand yeah, yeah, yeah. no it makes yeah. sense um <laughs> so yeah this show is all about resiliency you definitely help build others up to become more resilient and you yourself obviously practice that i'd love to hear what your uh, definition of resiliency is what would you how would you describe that mm. i'm going to describe resiliency as uh, maybe swapping the term grit for resilience but the ability to continually persevere through good bad and otherwise there's no wrong answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a great book here. Uh, Rich Devinney's book, Attributes, The 25 Hidden Drivers of Optimal Performance. This is a fantastic book. Uh, I imagine resiliency is defined on these pages. So I've interviewed now. Resilience, resilience 72, page 72. I've interviewed dozens of people. I asked them the same question and I've gotten different answer? answers from everybody. And what's the best answer? I really like that someone said that it's not what the traditional definition, you know, that, that people think about the grit and do hard things and challenging things. It's about more about being vulnerable. And then I really like that because they, we talked about resiliency being on a spectrum, doing hard things and grit and, you know, challenge is at one end. And then the other end of it is that being vulnerable, asking for help, that's also part of being resilient. And that just put a whole different mindset of resiliency in, in my head for, for me. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, you open to hearing this, this example? 100%. Let's go. So slight backstory, this Rich Devenny's book, Attributes, uh, he trained Navy SEALs. And he was in charge of the selection for Navy SEALs into the highest levels. I think it was a joint special operations command trainer, right? You know, and so he he was one that said yay or nay on, you know, the best of the best of the best coming in to join the best of the best of the best of the best, right? And uh, this process apparently there's like 35 or 38 attributes that make up the perfect special forces operator. And 25 are, you know, fit for civilian book and this is where we come up with the attributes resilience is trait five or six wow. uh this is so he talks about a you know somebody stepping on a landmine your life is totally different etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's difficult to function in those deep troughs or at those dizzying peaks of life what you want what you need is a return to that baseline, to that state of pleasant calm that is neither aggravating nor exciting. That's what it means to be resilient. Resilient often is mistaken for durability, 
a person who can suffer an endless series of misfortune, endure tremendous amounts of abuse, still get up in the morning with a smile, basically this grit that you and I were talking about, is said to be resilient. Maybe. But it's possible that simply that person simply has a high capacity for suffering and enduring and pretending to be happy, which is not the same thing at all. Right. Highly resilient people are able to genuinely return to that baseline. They're able, they are able to heal the damage or process the change those spikes and trenches represent. They tell themselves, and very importantly, they believe, I'm going to be fine, time to get back to work. And how quickly and efficiently they can do this is a measure of where they fall on the resilience gradient. Hmm. There you go. So he agrees with the, the kind of the spectrum idea. Yep, exactly. And like that it's that. not necessarily about the the grit or the perseverance per se, which I think is more of what I described. And the resilience is more that ability to process things high or low and return back to normal baseline. It's funny because my business mentors mentioned the same thing. You could have like one really good month. Don't get too caught up on that because it's going to come down just like, stocks and crypto it's all it's all the same you can't get your emotions too caught in those highs and vice versa in the lows as well so yeah i like that how how able are you to return to that middle ground yeah the emotional baseline yeah who do you have any examples of people in your life that you know of that you would deem as a resilient person mm. My partner, Ruslana, a thousand percent. How so? Yeah, she's so she, her baseline, her baseline is, is still so elevated and high. She's genuinely like the most joyful and happy person that I've ever met most consistently. And that is her baseline because of things that she's endured in her life and losses that she's had and, you know, things she's, she's been through and processed and, um, you know, she's also her family immigrated from Ukraine when she was two years old, you know, the old Soviet Union. And so there's uh, some some older, deeper, mm. deeper wounds there. But she has the immigrant grit and vibe and appreciation for, you know, not only life, but being here in America and having the ability to create our own futures with our own hands and mind and hearts. And so, uh, yeah, she's by far the most resilient person that that I know. And. And I love it because it's keeps me, you know, uh, out of the troughs and out of the trenches, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much, you know, but then when we do that, we don't necessarily return back to that, you know, call it the very center of that, of that, you know, in between the, the troughs and the, and the peaks, we, you know, because of her and her baseline being higher than mine, I get to bump up a little bit into that more of a peak baseline, you know, where that she sets, That's uh, cool. Yeah. So that's a really cool story. It. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. Yeah. All right. I end, I end this last uh, question. Same with everybody. Um, if you could give uh, one piece of actionable advice to somebody to becoming more resilient, what would that piece of advice be? Piece of advice to becoming more resilient. Mm, great question. Um, well, I just took a good deep breath. So that might be a, a first place to start, but it doesn't count. <laughs> That's what I would do to start. Bonus. Big old That's the bonus, bonus tip. Bonus tip from Dave <laughs> is take a breath. Uh, 
I would say, I would say go all the way, go all the way. It comes from one of my favorite poems by Charles Bukowski. And if you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise don't even start is the opening line. And it, it will get you through the troughs and it will get you through the peaks and you will accomplish the things you want to, if it's, and the things that are most impactful to you, if you start and keep going. And if you're going to start, you might as well go all the way. Um, it'll be the most fulfilling thing that you can do. Have you seen that Matthew McConaughey clip that talks about that? He uses negations, but it's, it's same kind of story. Don't half ass it. Love that. Yeah. Right. Like Love it's, that. if you, if you go all in, like you said, whether you win, lose, doesn't matter. You have the comfort in knowing that you gave it your full effort. So the outcome is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what the result is. You are, you know, that you did everything that you could do to reach that, that goal. Win, lose, or drop yep. doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. No, that's, uh, that's, it's so cool. Um, great book, by the way. I think he, he green lights by McConaughey. It was really good. Um, but now the, the go all the way concept has gotten me to like, choose the radical thing, choose the, the hard thing, choose the, you know, it, it wouldn't be going all the way, you know, to do the, if I did, did another 50 miler and that was it, you know, I would be no, like, go do the friggin' hundred, like try, you know, and dude, I might fail. I might bail out DNF on day 35, mile 35, you know, you don't know, but um, it's, it's being in the arena and doing the hard thing and going all the way with it. Love trying that, to get man. it. Yeah, man. That's awesome. What a way to end this. I hope I know I don't hope. I know that this is going to fire some people up to make some positive changes and whatever they're thinking about dabbling in, it's going to push them to go all in. Awesome. Man, fired up, ready to rock. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, man, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you for uh, story work or even hearing more of your stories? Yeah, Kevin, thank you, man, for having me on here. Um, Y'all can reach me at workyourstories.com. You can email me, workyourstories at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm most often on the gram. I'm at daverobinson.coach, daverobinson.coach on Instagram. But yeah, uh, feel free to, to book a, a discovery call with me. I'd love to chat with you more and learn about where you're confident and where you're stuck and how I might be able to help. Love that. Awesome. We'll put all those in the show notes as well so people can just cl kind of click through and uh, yeah, get a hold of you. Again, Dave, it's been awesome having you. Thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.